You can find this podcast and others at Gun Rights Radio Network, gunrightsradio.com, podcasting freedom. And welcome to episode 46 of Shooting the Breeze, the formal gun podcast of WaltNPA.com. I am Walt White, and this episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. Uh, you may notice my, my voice is a little deeper, a little sexier than usual. Uh, th- that's actually because I just woke up not long ago, and I'm recording first thing in the morning. Uh, the reason I'm doing this is because uh, we're going through a bit of a heat wave here in Pennsylvania, and the room in which I record this podcast is not air-conditioned. The last couple of episodes, I've been a sweaty mess by the time it's over, sitting underneath these halogen lights. So I decided to, after I, I sat down and, and got ready to record last night and realized that it was way too hot to be to be doing that, I decided to push it off until first thing in the morning. So it is not quite 6 a.m., and it is much cooler down here. So I thought I'd get everything fired up and, you know, sort of get the, the podcast rolling. And I'll still try to push it out one time, but it may just be a little bit later than usual because I'm, I'm going about this whole thing, um, you know, at the start of the day rather than last night. So, uh, with that said, I am under a bit of a time crunch. I have... Uh, work to do, you know, for my day job very shortly, and my wife's going to be leaving for work in about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, so I really need to get rolling and get everything uh, finished with the podcast so that it is complete when it's, when it's actually complete, I am finished, rather than me sort of just ending it abruptly. So with that said, let's get rolling along to what I've got in the notes. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, the first thing that I wanted to to sort of mention passingly is that uh, the podcast, Shooting the Breeze podcast, was mentioned in uh, a write-up that uh, Tom did over on Fill Your Hands recently where he outlined all the podcasts that he listens to on a regular basis. And apparently he listens to this podcast on Wednesdays, which is kind of cool because it comes out on Tuesdays, so he's getting to it rather quickly. But uh, before he wrote that post, he sent me an email and he asked me, hey, you know, do you have a, a podcast logo? Because uh, you're pretty much the only one that doesn't, and I, I need something to put uh, in that post. And uh, I really didn't know what to tell him, because uh, at the moment, I don't have a podcast logo. I was working with uh, the same guy that did my my blog logo a while back, and uh, he's been really busy, and I haven't been able to get in touch with him. So that sort of just sort of, uh, I don't know, sort of, fell off the agenda and at the moment I have no podcast logo so if I, if I have anyone out there that is that is, in, that is uh, good with graphic arts and would be willing to whip me up a, a podcast logo I'd really appreciate it this wouldn't be a normal podcast if I wasn't uh, reminding you about a new contest that I've got going on or, or the current contest that I've got going on on my blog which is waltnpa.com for a signed copy of shoot your guide to shooting and competition by Julie Golub um, we're sort of in the middle here. Uh, the June contest has just ended. Uh, I selected a winner on Sunday, I believe, and he's been contacted. I have his, his shipping information. His book will be going out shortly, and I haven't quite put together a post for July just yet. So what that means is you've got a little bit, of, a little bit of a cushion, a little bit of time before uh, before the entries are available to head on over to waltnpa.com and click on the big giant picture of. Julie's book. Um, there's a slider at the top of the blog. First you'll see uh, my friend Scott and a bunch of other people at a USPSA match. Then that picture will shift out of the way. Then you'll see Julie Golub's book. If you click on that big picture of her book, it will bring you to the contest post. Um, right now it will bring you to the June contest post if you'd like to look through all of the answers to that uh, very simple question that I posed for that book. Um, 
if I get the new contest before you click on that link, when you click on that picture, uh, the new contest will be brought up. And I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet, but I'm thinking about doing some sort of contest that will allow multiple entries so that uh, the more... I don't know, the more active you are on the blog, the more entries that you get in. So for instance, if I do something that says, you know, maximum one entry per week, you know, maybe you'll you'll get there on the blog and, and, and make entries once per week. But uh, I'm not quite sure how I want to do that yet. Uh, it, it may get kind of complicated making sure that everyone's got, uh, you know, their, their, their entries in, you know, in the allotted time frame. I don't want someone just dropping like six and then being done with it uh, you know I want to I want to force them to be kind of spread out and I'm not quite sure how to do that just yet so keep an eye out on waltnpa.com for a future contest to win a signed copy of shoot your guide to shooting and competition by Julie Gold. in the news this week I have four items that I want to talk about uh, really I, I should only do three however uh, the fourth one was just so amusing and put a giant smile on my face that I just had to incorporate it. So I want to try to breeze through that one relatively quickly. But the first piece of news that I have comes from uh, 11 Alive in Atlanta. And this was actually brought to my attention by Tom over on the Fill Your Hands blog. I believe he tweeted about this on Twitter. And it goes on to say... Georgia Tech graduate student shoots another student who is trying to break into his house. Atlanta, Georgia. <coughs> Excuse me. A Georgia Tech graduate student shot another student who was trying to break into his off-campus house Tuesday morning, according to Atlanta police. The incident happened at a house on Curran Street at around 5.30 a.m. Three Georgia Tech students were sleeping inside the house when they awoke to the sound of glass breaking, Atlanta police spokesman Captain Adam Lee III said. The student saw a man, now identified as 22-year-old Georgia Tech student Adam Keller, trying to enter the house through a broken window. One of the students grabbed a gun and shot Keller once in the chest, according to Lee. Keller was under the influence and believed that he was trying to enter his own house, according to police. He, was also, he also walked into another Koran Street home before arriving at the house where he was shot. David Bessner was asleep on the couch when he saw the shirtless student walk through his front door. By the time I got up, the guy had already gone out the back door across the street, Pesner said. We basically saw him throw a stool through the window and then climbed in and got shot. Keller was rushed to Grady Memorial Hospital where he is in stable but critical condition. He faces charges of property damage and criminal trespass, Jones said. The three students inside the house were not hurt. Jones said they did not know Keller and were not being charged. Many living many living students in the home park neighborhood were there where the shooting took place said they're on edge because the armed robberies took place because three armed robberies took place last weekend georgia tech students were not were not known for being the toughest crowd said student greg leonards thieves know we've got about three thousand dollars worth of electronics in our book bags and we're not going to fight back some students have decided that they'll at least try and have armed themselves with pepper spray. Atlanta and Georgia Tech police have stepped up patrols in the area. <clears throat> so this is kind of uh, interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure just how high or how drunk you need to be to not be able to recognize your own home and to break into one house, be basically walking through it, and then realize, hey, this isn't my house, and then leave, and do the same thing all over again across the street. Uh, I'm not quite sure where the stool came from, unless maybe it was sitting on the porch when he busted the window, but, uh, you know, you really can't fault the student for shooting him. I mean, if I'm sleeping on the couch and someone breaks my window and climbs through, the w and, and climbs through as far as I'm concerned, they've got really bad intentions on their mind, and I've got to stop them, so... I don't fault the, the, the student for shooting him, and the the guy that broke in, it, hey, it, it is what, you know, if you're going to play the game, these are the consequences. So he got what he got. Uh, the interesting thing, if you watch the, the video of this event, actually it mentions pepper spray in the article, but in the actual video, you know, the news crew footage kind of a thing, the... They interview a student at the end, and he's talking about, you know, the Georgia Tech students aren't known for fighting back, and they've got a lot, lots of electronics on them, but uh, but they carry pepper spray, and he pulls out this black canister, sort of out of his book bag. Not exactly, 
it's not exactly in a place where it's readily available. So if he were to get attacked, hold on, let me get my, my pepper spray out of my book bag kind of a thing. Um, if you're off campus, I can certainly see carrying a gun. I'm not quite sure what the laws are in Atlanta, but uh, I would think that at least if it were me, if it were permitted, I would be doing it. If not, uh, you know, pepper spray is a great alternative, but you really need to get it out of your book bag and on your person so that you can get quick access to it. But again, that's just one person's opinion. The second piece of news comes from Online Athens, the Athens Banner Herald. And this was brought to my attention by Miguel over on Gun Free Zone. I don't remember whether he posted this link uh, through Twitter or if he posted it on his blog. But in either case, Miguel was the one that brought this to my attention. And it is entitled, Armed Passerby Saved Woman from Brutal Attack Near Downtown Athens. Dennis Terry decided to take a different route to the post office Thursday morning, and it's a good thing he did. While driving on College Avenue near downtown Athens, he saw a man and a woman struggling over a bag. When Terry stopped and backed up to see what was going on, he saw the man punch the woman, knocking her to the ground as she still clutched onto the bag. I had the windows up, but I could still hear the fist lick lick he hit her with because it was so hard, Terry said. Terry didn't think twice about what to do next. The 61-year-old Athens man grabbed his pistol and jumped out of his truck. I went running toward them and started hollering, you get down and turn her loose or I'll shoot, Terry said in an interview Friday with the Athens Banner Herald. I got within about 15 feet of them and told him to get down or I'll shoot two or, two or three times, and when he saw I meant business, he turned her loose and ran, Terry said. Terry, who used to own a construction company and is now, semi-retired, is now a semi-retired consultant, said he only learned later from police that the man had a gun he stole from the victim's SUV. Things could have turned out in a bad way, but I will tell you this. If he had come at me with that gun, I would have shot him, Terry said. The man who Terry confronted is 57-year-old Samuel Tyrone Evans, a career criminal who served nine terms in state prison beginning in 1972. He most recently got out of jail on June 12th for a drug-related arrest. About 9.30 a.m. Thursday, Evans broke a window of the 26-year-old Commer woman's SUV while it was in a parking lot on, a co on College Avenue between Ware Street and Cleveland Avenue. The woman returned to her vehicle as Evans rummaged through it, and that's when the fight began, Athens Clark Police said. After, ter after Terry interviewed after Terry intervened, Evans led police officers, sheriff's deputies, and other authorities on a manhunt through heavily wooded areas and along railroad tracks in the near downtown area. Evans was arrested more than five hours after the attack as Georgia State Patrol troopers saw him in, an, saw him in the area of Willow Street and North Avenue. Evans ran into some woods when the troopers tried to speak with him, and after officers set up a perimeter around the area, they eventually found and arrested him. Evans was charged with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, entering auto, battery, and obstruction of law enforcement officer. His victim was treated at Athens Regional Medical Center for several injuries, mostly bruises and scrapes, according to police. Terry makes daily trips to the post office, normally driving from his business on Newton, Newton Bridge Road and remaining on it until it becomes Barber Street and dead ends on Prince Avenue. For some reason, on Thursday morning, he decided to make a left onto Cleveland Avenue, then take College Avenue to get downtown, leading him past the scene of the violent struggle. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think this was a case of God putting people in someone else's life, Terry said. When I saw that man, what that man was doing to that lady, I was really concerned for her, and I don't think I did anything that anyone else would have done under the same circumstances. I don't think I would have. I don't know what, have ha what would have happened if I hadn't stopped because that man meant to hurt her. He meant to hurt her bad, he said. So just one, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, obviously this article forgot to mention that this man was planning on driving to the post office and parking off of post office property since he had a gun in the vehicle. Uh, we all know that you're not permitted to carry a gun, not inside a post office or on post office property. So obviously he was going to park off off-site and leave his gun in the car and then walk to the post office and yada 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 but uh i'm really glad that this guy did you know he he did intervene uh you know it's one of those situations where no one is obligated to intervene and help someone but you know there's that little i don't know that little moral voice in the back of your mind that tells you you know you really need to get involved this this woman is being 
uh, hurt. Uh, you know, things could get really bad. And uh, this guy is just up to no good that's beating on her. So I'm glad that he intervened. I'm glad that it all worked out. No one had to be shot. And this guy was, was caught by police a few hours later. And hopefully... You know, he'll stay in jail long enough to, you know, realize the error of his ways. However, if he's been in and out of prison since 1972, I really don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. The third piece of news isn't actually news at all. It's actually a piece of commentary. But after I read it, I thought it was really good and I wanted to share it. This comes from the Future of Freedom Foundation. And it was written by Scott McPherson on June 27th. It's entitled Self-Defense and the Anti-Gun Mentality. And it goes on to say, I recently attended a, a meetup group started by a friend of mine. The goal of the group is to bring people together from across the political spectrum to discuss a variety of issues and to, as the mission statement read, use common sense ideas to build a ha happy and happier and healthier community. <clears throat> Excuse me. The group meets every week with a different speaker and topic each time. After a recent talk, I and, other, I and others asked questions and there ensued a, a very lively and re rewarding discussion. Then several of us went downstairs to the bar. One of the people I had been talking back and forth with upstairs approached me and said, You sounded very confident up there. It's a friendly crowd, I said. And besides, what is someone going to do if I say something you don't like? Beat me up? I meant this as a joke, trying to break the ice. But she instantly became very serious. They might, she replied. I've been carrying a 9mm Smith & Wesson automatic for 15 years. I started doing this when my wife and I moved to a bad part of town. Since then, we've changed states a couple of times, and I dare say that the quality of neighborhoods we've lived in has, has improved with each move. Now we live in a quaint and quiet Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Uh, hands down the best city on earth. But the habit of carrying my pistol has stayed with me. I rarely leave home without it. The other night was no exception, so after the woman's statement, I lifted my shirt a bit and nodded down toward my holstered pistol and said, I'm not worried about that. You'd think she saw a ghost. She turned pale, clapped her hand over her mouth, and took about three steps back. I honestly thought she was going to faint. Then she turned and walked away from me, joining another small group several feet away. She didn't speak to me again for the rest of the evening. Later, as we were leaving, I said goodnight to her, but she wouldn't even look me in the eye. I got to thinking about this. She couldn't have been ignorant of she couldn't have been ignorant of the rapes, robberies, and murders that are part of daily life in some places. Even here in Portsmouth, such a threat exists. In fact, there was a string of beatings downtown just this past winter. Some of them quite vicious. After her claim that and her claim that just expressing the wrong opinion might actually get me beat up suggests that she takes such things quite seriously. Yet the, yet the mere sight of a person who has taken steps to ensure his personal safety brought about an actual physical reaction. I don't think I would have. I don't think it would be unfair to call it revulsion. For those with an anti-gun mentality, this is how the world is supposed to work. Better for a good person to be beaten, robbed, or killed than for that person to defend themselves, especially with a gun. Jeffrey Snyder talked about this in A Nation of Cowards 20 years ago. While people are encouraged to revel in their individuality and incalculable self-worth, the media and law enforcement establishment continue to advise us that, when confronted with the threat of lethal violence, we should not resist, he wrote. Little has changed in anti-gunners' minds since then. For them, there is, a, there, there is a moral equivalence between the attacker and the victim. Raising your arm to fend off a blow is the same as raising your arm to strike one. The difference between someone trying to club your brains out and you not wanting to get your brains clubbed out is just a difference of opinion. I sincerely hope this woman returns to our Tuesday night meeting, and I honestly hope she asks me why I carry a gun. I don't like the... I would like the opportunity to tell her a little bit, little bit about dignity of each individual human life, a message many anti-gunner types with great zeal but don't really believe. So I, th I thought this was pretty interesting. I, I really don't agree with the portion of the story where he lifts his shirt and shows the woman his gun. Uh, I thought that was totally unnecessary. I mean, I understand where this... I, 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 I can... I can envision this situation sort of going back and forth where he's kind of being lighthearted and, and trying to break the ice and she sort of suddenly gets serious, you know, saying, well, you might get beat up for voicing your opinion. I mean, maybe he perceived that as a threat and, you know, maybe his, uh, 
his reaction was to show her his cards, so to, sp so to speak, and get her to back off a little bit. It's it's understandable. I can understand why why someone would want to do something like that, but. Uh, I don't know, it's almost kind of like showboating. If you're carrying a concealed weapon, you know, it is my opinion that that weapon should remain concealed until the time it needs to come out. And if it needs to come out, the situation is bad enough where it needs to be used. You know, we're not pulling our guns out and waving them around in the air uh, to, to frighten people away. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're deadly weapons and, you know, they are, they, they, they provide lethal force. So if, if you're in a life and death situation, you know, pull it out and by all means use it. But, uh, you know, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, lifting the shirt and showing off the gun to get your point across. Uh, I don't want to say it seems immature, but, you know, especially based on the, the level of article that this guy wrote, you know, and, and the way he voices opinion, obviously he's not an immature individual, but that act of lifting his shirt sure seemed that way. But, it's just my opinion and it is uh, really too early in the morning to be diving into this article and trying to pick it apart uh, you know looking at it from philosophical levels and things like that so I need a little more coffee and we've got one more news item to cover last week when episode 45 of shooting the breeze I was talking about a gun buyback program in the news portion of the podcast um, it got a little heated and uh, I was sort of ranting a little bit on how I thought that it was an absolute waste of time and money. Well, we're a week later, and you know I, I saw another article referencing that gun buyback, and it put a big smile on my face. I was really eager to actually talk about this. And this comes out of the Sacramento Bee, and it is entitled "Gun Groups Takes Quote Junk Guns to Chicago for Gun for a Trade In." Last weekend, members of a downtown Illinois pro-gun group drove to Chicago, handed in about 60 weapons to the city's trade-in program, and walked out with more than $6,200 in gift cards. While the city program is meant to reduce the number of deadly weapons in Chicago, the guns traded in were rusted, damaged, and according to the group, pretty much useless. Police said the group is taking advantage of a program intended to take firearms off the street. Members of Gun Save Lives in Champaign County, or yeah, Champaign, I guess, countered that they are putting the money to good use to purchase ammunition firearms for a, for a youth program that teaches gun safety and marksmanship. The group also traded in BB guns and starter pistols. We just took advantage of Chicago's induced artificial market on rusty junk, said John Botch, Bach, the group's president. The city collected 5,500 5, weapons at city churches June 23rd. Police handed, handed out a $100 gift card per firearm and $10 gift card per BB gun or replica. Guns Save Lives has done the same thing twice before and most of the weapons are of little value and are collecting dust in the closets of members or relatives. Box said the guns were, all, were so beaten and worn that one of them, a shotgun, broke while being inspected by a police officer. The group did not get a gift card for that gun. Some of them were about 100 years old, he said. They are rusty. Some have been and in some have been in fires, it's just junk. A few of the guns did work, Box said, but they were damaged or could malfunction and would be dangerous to use. Richard Pearson, executive director of the Illinois State Rifle Association, which, is, which was not involved in the Gun Save Lives effort, applauded the concept. I'm sure these kids are going to have a great time with Chicago's money, he said. Pearson added that he believes the city program, which has no, which has a no questions asked policy, is dumping ground is is a dumping ground for criminals trying to ditch guns used in crimes. Police, police destroy the guns they collect. Police were not pleased. There's a ripple effect following every shooting incident that we all feel. We host the gun turn-in event on an annual basis to encourage residents to turn in their guns so that we take firearms off the streets. And it's unfortunate that this group is abusing a program intended to increase the safety of our communities, police spokesman Melissa Stratton said in an email. So, let me get this straight. <clears throat> it's all right for a woman to turn in her late husband's little tiny 22 uh, American Arms novelty gun. I actually, Miguel was kind enough to provide me with uh, some video on, on that actual gun that they collected last week. And uh, it is a novelty gun. It literally fits in the palm of your hand. It's this tiny little Derringer style revolver that has no trigger guard. It's just this little tiny cute little thing. 
But at any rate, this woman turns this gun in, and the police say, oh, you know, that's that's a killer right there, that, that gun, right? And and they end up beating on this thing with a hammer to get it apart because obviously they don't know how to, to disassemble it because the cylinder looks like you have to half-cock the hammer and push a pin in and then pull the pin out, and then the whole cylinder lifts out of the gun. But, you know, it's, it's all right for her to turn in that and other people to turn in rusty guns and BB guns and replicas that don't work. However, it's not okay for this group to do the same thing and then turn around and use the money for a youth group, which I think is is fantastic. I, I'm, I I hope that uh, these kids really get their money's worth and and they they become educated on firearms and they are able to purchase plenty of ammunition for these kids to learn on. It's this, uh, I don't know. It's it's. It's it's just funny how this all works. It's it's all right for one group of people to turn in rusty junk, but it's not all right for another group to turn in rusty junk. It's it's morally wrong, you know. They're 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 abusing the system, you know. Go figure. In featured content this week, I only have two items. Uh, originally, that's all there was 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 two items. I was having some difficulty finding stuff that I wanted to talk about. Uh, because of a very busy weekend. However, it, it kind of works out because I really need to streamline the show. So, we've got two instead of the usual three. So anyway, both of these come from Every Day No Days Off. And both of them are videos. The first one is from uh, Chaos. And I don't remember the the letters and numbers that follow his name. However, he's, uh, he's a guy on YouTube that has been doing videos for a little while. I first came across him on the the Pennsylvania Firearm Owners Association forum. Uh, he's a Pennsylvania resident. He was posting some videos there for a little while. And at, at one point in time, I was kind of following him through PAFOA. However, since I don't spend a whole lot of time, or I don't spend nearly as much time as I used to on the forum, I really haven't seen his videos as of late. But uh, Every Day No Days Off featured one, which was entitled, Chaos and His Friend Don Talk About much How Much Reality TV Gun Shows Suck. The video runs about 20 minutes, and it's it's Chaos and his buddy Don discussing reality TV shows. Or not not so much, well, I, I guess for uh, intents and purposes, they are uh, reality shows. And they sort of lead off the discussion by comparing shows on the Discovery Network against shows on the History Channel against shows on the Outdoor Network. And the basis of this, of the discussion is that on some of these networks, we're seeing a diminishing... Uh, uh, like cause for we're, we're seeing uh, like a diminishing concern for gun safety where for instance on something like the Discovery Network <clears throat> for instance on Sons of Guns and American Guns you, we routinely see uh, shots with the cameraman downrange whether or not the guns are unloaded is irrelevant we have this sweeping sort of shot where the cameraman is walking in front of the individuals carrying the gun to get this this sort of pan where they're looking down the the muzzle the mu- you know we're looking at the muzzle end of the gun that they're holding and he talks about how that is just very irresponsible and very bad for gun ownership you know we really don't want to to perceive ourselves this way regardless of whether or not guns are loaded or not it is very important that we maintain the, you know, the four rules of firearm safety, one of which is never point a gun at anything you're not willing to destroy. And with the cameraman being in front of the gun, we're violating that first safety rule. The other being that we should treat all guns as though, as though they are always loaded. So they're, in a, they're essentially violating two rules by putting a cameraman downrange. Uh, it's it's just sort of bad for for the the image of guns and firearm safety and that's one of the things they talk about and when they compare it they talk about shows like mythbusters i don't remember whether they're on i guess they are on discovery network so here we are we have two different shows on the same network when mythbusters handles a gun a lot of times they're remote firing the gun you know there's it's in a ransom rest the the, the trigger's got a string attached to it and they're standing behind a blast shield so they they have taken firearm safety to an entirely new level where they are being i don't want to say overly cautious but the just the the level of of safety on mythbusters is here and american guns and sons of guns are way down here and here and and the show that is that is showing the least firearm safety are the guns geared entirely towards guns, whereas Mythbusters is a barrage of different things. You know, guns come up from time to time, but yet they are far more safer, or they are far safer. 
They also talk about uh, shows on the Outdoor Network <clears throat> or the Outdoor Channel. And anytime there's an individual talking to the cameraman, he's got the gun pointed downrange. Based on what you see, you can tell that the camera is oriented in such a way where you've got your host standing here and downrange may be out back here. And the gun is always pointed downrange as he's discussing you know, the firearm that he's talking about. Uh, in addition, whenever there's a shot where you can you're looking the shooter in the face as he's holding the gun out or she's holding the gun out you know there's always a little note flashing on the bottom of the screen you know this is a remote camera you know we're being safe so you know it's it's it was an interesting look at how the different shows perceive gun safety and how they 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 then turn around and show that gun safety to the audience. Again, this is really early in the morning, and I'm I'm fumbling all over my words. My brain is not firing on all cylinders. I can't get. I'm not pulling the words out of my vocabulary that I want. And because the show isn't scripted, I don't have like notes telling me what to say. So this is all off the cuff. But anyway, they in addition to to gun safety, they discuss a variety of other things. It's really interesting and entertaining. So head on over to Everyday Nose's Off. And check out reality TV gun shows suck. As I mentioned earlier, the second piece of featured news all, or featured content also comes from Everyday No Days Off, and this one revolves around the gun store guys. And in this episode, they discuss pink guns and show some alternatives. Um, actually, the, the the episode is entitled Episode Thirty: Guns for Gals, and. It's, it's kind of interesting, the evolution of the gun store guys, or the gun gripes guys. Um, when I first started watching them, I saw them as two guys at a gun store that were sort of complaining about different things. Sometimes it felt as though they were complaining about, you know, kind of unnecessary things, like customers, terminology, and things like that. And the show seems to evolve into something that, that I actually quite enjoy. The guys are very informative, and they're entertaining as well. I don't always agree with everything they say. However, I'm enjoying watching the shows more and more with every new release. And in this particular episode, they're discussing what what boils down to pink guns and the offerings that that gun manufacturers make available for women or produce specifically for women. And they have a variety of guns on the counter. They're talking about you know the Caltech P3AT with a pink frame and a car with a really light pink frame and almost looks white. And as they're going through this, these guns, the, the one thing that I'm seeing over and over and over and over again is that all of the guns that they're showing are these tiny little pocket pistols. Um, and, you know, one of the things that they mention is that, you know, they're, they're slim and they're single stack and they're small so that they can be easily concealed and easily hand, handled by a woman. However, you know, I, it left me wondering, you know, why, why are all these guns that you're showing tiny? I mean... In my experience, the smaller the gun, the harder the recoil, and the more difficult to shoot. So if if we're talking about a concealed weapon for a woman, I can understand a smaller gun being more easily concealed, or being concealed easier, you know, because it's a smaller frame and smaller format. But, you know, if we're talking about house guns, which, which they do, and they show a couple of larger guns, I was really surprised that they didn't show something like the Smith & Wesson M&P, the Julie Yellow edition with the pink back strap. Uh, some of the guns that they show have some scroll work in the top and they're meant for, you know, they're, they're sort of pretty for ladies. You know, I really didn't have any issue with that. I just, I just kind of looked at it and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, why, why are all the guns that they're showing tiny? And that's kind of where where it left me. Uh, you know, no real complaints on the video. You know, there was a lot of interesting information in there. However, you know that kind of stuck out at me. Why are they all small, and why are they all mostly pink? They don't. They don't. They can be any color they want, which they do touch on, with uh, with Duracoat being an option. You can make these guns look like anything you want. The actually a while back I showed pictures of a of a Glock with a certain cartoon pussycat on them, which had to be pulled down for 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 over fear of being sued by said company. But uh, it was pink, it had <clears throat> kittens all over it and flowers, and it was very pretty, you know, pretty in a manly sense. I, I didn't find it pretty, but <laughs> a woman would find it pretty. There's my, my male chauvinistic attitude coming out. But at, at any rate, you know, with Duracoat being available, 
you can make these guns look like anything you want. So if you're a woman and you're looking for a gun, you don't necessarily have to go for the gun with the pink frame or you don't have to buy the smallest one. You know, buy what feels comfortable, shoot as many as you can, you know, have the same attitude going into guns that you would about anything else you know do as much research as possible find out what you want find out what's comfortable and buy it and then if you want it to look like something if you want it to look different you know look into options like duracoat or Cerakote or and i think there may even be another uh coating option but for the life of me i can't think of what it is at the moment so this 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 featured content piece is kind of going nowhere but uh, I really don't have the time to re-record it. And even if I did, I really I haven't gotten my head around what I want to say in regards to this video. So head over to Everyday No Days Off and check out the Gun Gripes guys griping about guns for gals. It is time for the cigar and drink pairing of the episode. And actually, before I hit the record button, I glanced down at the clock. And uh, I'm really getting pressed for time. I've got to pick this up and, and try to breeze on through the cigar and drink pairing as well as the discussion topic so that I can get back upstairs and watch my daughter when my wife goes to work. But in addition to working from home today, so it's I've got a lot to get done in a very tiny little window. So at any rate, the cigar and drink pairing. The the coffee that I'm drinking this time around is uh, it, it's by Wolfgang Puck. It's meant for the Keurig brewers. I don't remember. It's medium roast, uh, bold coffee or something like that. Um, it's not too bad. I'm enjoying it. However, uh, yesterday afternoon, I actually ordered some Second Amendment coffee, and I'm really looking forward to getting it. It comes by the pound, and 1% of proceeds go to pro-gun organizations. It's, uh, it looks like it's small batch stuff, so the quality should be much higher than the readily available Keurig-style coffee that I'm buying, although that is much better than the, you know, the, the commercially available grocery store stuff that, uh, that I've had in the past. So I'm really interested in comparing the Second Amendment coffee to the Black Dog coffee, which I really enjoy, but haven't ordered in quite some time. It was a little pricey. It was like $14 a pound and almost $7 in shipping on top of that. So, you know, kind of expensive for coffee, but, you know, good coffee typically is. The cigar that I'm smoking along with that Wolfgang Puck coffee is the Ortega Serie D number no. 8 Natural. Uh, a while back, I did... A I talked about the Maduro, which was offered first, and a couple of weeks ago, a natural was made available. Uh, the first time I saw it was on Stogie Review, and it was kind of a surprise when Brian Hewitt reviewed it. I wasn't aware that there was a natural being offered, and I wasn't, I wasn't able to pick it up locally, and I wasn't quite sure if Mike over at Buckhead Cigars had received an order of the natural, so I didn't, I didn't put an order in for it. However, over the weekend, I was, uh, I was attending the Famous Smoke Shop Cigarnival, which is a very big cigar event here in Pennsylvania, posted by Famous Smoke Shop. Uh, I was covering it as, as a member of the press for Stogie Review. And while I was there, I sat down and was talking with Eddie Ortega for a little while, and he handed me a couple of the Serie D Naturals, and I was really eager to try them. I smoked one the, the day of the event, really enjoyed it, and since it's fairly early and this is a, a milder cigar, I decided to, you know, pair it up with a cup of coffee and talk about it. Uh, the cigar is offered in the same sizes and formats that the Maduro comes in. It's packed in boxes of 10, just like the Maduro. Uh, it will be available in the cigar samplers, just like the Maduro. So, so imagine the Serie D number, the Serie D Maduro, just in a natural format. Same pricing options, same box packaging, you know, same offerings. Uh, it's a little milder. It doesn't have that rich Maduro taste that you get out of the Maduro, and because obviously the, the wrapper is much different. It's got a more of a spicier component to it, but all in all, it's a, it's a very similar cigar. It just doesn't have those rich Maduro flavors. They're instead replaced by a, a spicy component, which is, that has a very creamy and, I don't know, I don't know how I want to describe it. It has sort of like, uh, an overly creamed coffee kind of an aftertaste to it. I, I, I don't enjoy creamed coffee. I, don't, I only like coffee if it's just completely black. I don't add sugar or anything. But I'm finding that I really enjoy that, that creamy sort of aftertaste that the cigar has. So if you're interested in trying the Ortega Cigars Serie D Natural, go ahead and pick up the phone and give my preferred retailer a call, which is Mike over at Buckhead Cigars. 
in Atlanta, Georgia. You can call Mike at 404-844-0400. If you want to just look at some of the items that Mike has available, you can head over to askthecigarguys.com. It's not a retail site. It's just a listing of some of the product and pricing that Mike has either featured or is new to the shop. If you just want to chat it up with Mike, sort of get a feel for him and his business, you can do so on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus under the handle Buckhead Cigar. So, in addition to supporting a fellow cigar guy and my preferred cigar retailer, you'll also be supporting a gun nut as well. Mike has a, a vast collection of, of guns. He always seems to be posting new ones on Twitter, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty jealous of some of the more recent guns that he's picked up. One of the benefits of being a fixture in the cigar community, or, or have, having been in it for quite a while, is that when events pop up, sometimes I get to cover them as a member of the press. Uh, in, in the state of Pennsylvania, there's a couple of events. There is, uh, the, there is Cigar Fest, which is hosted by uh, Cigars International. There is the Cigarnival, which used to be Cigar Expo, which is hosted by Famous Smoke Shop. And then outside of Pennsylvania, but still very close, is the Delaware Cigar Festival, hosted by Delaware Cigars and, and uh, Gary from Emilio. And over the last couple of years, I've, I've had the privilege of covering those events. Now, as a member of the press, it means that I don't get all the goodies that the other people get. You know, the people, the actual paying customers, I don't get all those cigars and stuff. But I do get to attend the, the event in its entirety. So over this past weekend, I attended the famous smoke shop Cigarnival. And it was sort of a no-brainer decision that uh, Hayward from Famous contacted me and asked me if I was interested in covering the event again this year. No-brainer, absolutely, I'll, I'll do it. I love covering the event. It's a lot of fun. However, there was a difficult decision mixed in there. When I go, how do I go about carrying my gun? Now, the reason that it's sort of an important decision is not because it, it's, it may be wrong for me to carry amongst all these people or dangerous. It, obviously, I, I don't think that. My concern was, how do I safely carry a gun in a crowd of a, of a thousand plus people? Now, you know, you're probably, well, well why, why is carrying in a crowd an option? Well, or, or why is carrying in a, in a crowd a concern? Well, being a member of the press, I have to like wade through these people. Uh, the The event is held on a very large or a fairly substantial piece of property. Things are spread out. There's a manufacturer tent, which is somewhat large. There's a food tent, which is enormous. And then there's there's just things going on all about. And when people get condensed into one area, for instance, at certain times during the day there are people going through the manufacturer tent handing over tickets collecting cigars I need to be in that tent taking pictures it means that sometimes I'm bumping against people we're shoulder to shoulder I'm sort of wading through the crowd at other times I'm standing back and you know I don't have a single person around me for 15 for a 15 foot radius so throughout the event I'm in various positions uh, you know in one position I, I'm, I have absolutely no concern about anyone knowing that I have a gun uh, in another position I have people that may be bumping against it leaning against it touching it you know unknowingly kind of a thing as I'm working my way through a crowd and my concern was how do I go about carrying a gun where the average person isn't going to know that I have a gun or not necessarily the average person but uh, the average person not realizing that I'm carrying a gun. Even if they know what a gun looks and feels like, even if they sort of bump me, they won't feel that hard thing on my hip. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to carry my usual carry gun, which is a Springfield XD subcompact, on my hip in a crossbreed super tuck holster? And when I started thinking about that gun, you know, some of the pros were that it carries 9 plus 1 rounds of 40 Smith & Wesson. Uh, it's very manageable. I'm comfortable shooting the gun. Uh, it's it's a very comfortable gun to carry in that holster. Um, I can wear it for an extended period of time. It doesn't make my side ache. It doesn't chafe my skin or anything like that. Um, I've actually rolled around it on the floor playing with my dog and things like that. And it, the, the, the gun in that holster has never been an issue. Comfort is, is, not, is not an issue whatsoever with, with that particular setup. Uh, the other nice thing about it is even with it being so comfortable, <clears throat> excuse me, it disappears under as little as a t-shirt. So, you know, my usual dress for 100 degree temperatures is a, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt over top. 
and even with a thin t-shirt over the gun it pretty much disappears it doesn't look bulky or blocky on my side it doesn't look like uh, something is there that may not that the average person may not have there it's, it just kind of blends in the downside is that there is no retention on that holster and it makes me a little uneasy to be shoulder to shoulder with someone or, or bumped up against someone in a crowd and have them be able to bump my side and feel that gun. Even if they don't know it's there and they hit something hard, <clears throat> you know, there's still that concern in the back of my mind that all it's going to take is for them to just pull on it and it pops right out of the holster. Granted, they'd have to lift my shirt. However, there is no retention device on that holster. It's, it's designed so that it, it doesn't need a retention device because 99% of the population isn't going to know it's there in the first place. So that was a little bit of a concern. I didn't want to go into a crowd in a position where the, bump, the gun could maybe even get bumped loose. However, there were a lot of benefits that outweighed those concerns of mine. So, you know, and you know, one of the benefits that I didn't mention was the ease of draw with that gun. It's just a matter of lifting my shirt and pulling the gun out. It, you know, it comes out clean, doesn't hang up. It's just a, a very nice setup all the way around. I, I think it's uh, a great day, daily carry setup. But you know, there were some concerns in the back of my mind. The other option was to, <clears throat> excuse me, was to carry my Smith & Wesson bodyguard, my little pocket pistol. There were some pluses to this as well. If I'm in a crowd and I'm pushed up tight against someone, even if they bump my side, they're not going to feel the gun. If they bump my pocket, it could be a variety of things that are in my pocket. You know, car keys, cell phone. You know, most people, if they if they bump hard into your pocket, they're not going to immediately think gun. A little higher up on the hip, it's substantially larger than a cell phone. You know, maybe that's a gun that I feel that I banged into. But in the pocket, it's totally different because people carry a variety of things in their pockets. And especially me. If I'm covering one of these events, I'm wearing cargo pants usually, or cargo shorts. And in every pocket, I've got some sort of device. I've got car keys in one, a gun in the other. I've got a little flip cam in another pocket. I've got accessories, lighters, cutters, other things in my pocket. So I'm like weighted down heavily with random stuff. I'm not really concerned about someone bumping into a pocket and saying, hey, that, that felt like a gun. Uh, it disappears in the pocket. It's easy to carry. It's just a matter of tossing it in a pocket and, and going. You know, some of the downsides are it's 7 plus 1 capacity of 380, so it's a smaller round, smaller capacity. Uh, it's a little more difficult to shoot because it is a smaller package. You know, we're talking about a gun that is substantially smaller than the, my usual carry gun. And it is more difficult to draw. It, basically, the gun is in a holster, which is sort of a pocket for the gun, which that whole package goes inside of another pocket in my pants. So it's a matter of reaching into one pocket and pulling the gun from within a second pocket and there's a, there's a large potential for the gun to get hung up somewhere. Whether the, the holster gets hung up in my pocket or the gun gets hung up in my pocket, maybe the holster doesn't clear my pocket, you know, those sorts of things. So I had a lot of things to consider. You know, do I want to carry the more substantial usual carry gun or do I want to carry the more convenient pocket pistol? And I was going back and forth for about a day, really unsure of which route I wanted to take. Eventually I decided to take my Smith & Wesson bodyguard. Uh, it was smaller, easier to carry. It meant more weight on my pants and more crap in my pockets and one less pocket to stick extra crap into. However, I think it was the better choice. Uh, just be in the back of my mind, that one concern with the with my usual carry gear was that 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 gun would somehow get bumped out of the holster and it would hit the ground, and that that sort of terrified me. The thought of that happening, very unlikely, but the possibilities are still there. I, I guess I could have I could have reduced that possibility by tucking my shirt around the holster, since it is a tuckable holster. However, however, with as hot as it was, I didn't want to be tucking anything. I just wanted to leave my shirt loose. But, uh, you know, that is definitely something to consider. If you're ever going to be in a position where you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with other individuals in a, in a tight crowd, you know, what would, you, what would your considerations be? Are you, are you concerned about being able to get the, whole, get the gun out in the event that something really bad happens? Are you concerned about someone bumping it and feeling it? You know, what are you, this is kind of like a question and answer thing. I'm not, these aren't hypotheticals. I would really like your opinion. What goes through your mind in the event that you're going to carry a gun into a crowd? Simple enough, right? 
It is about time to close out episode 46 of Shooting the Breeze. But before I do that, I want to thank you for for watching or viewing or downloading or subscribing to the podcast. It, it means a lot to me. It's been you know 46 episodes. We're closing in on a year. And uh, we've gone from having like two or three views per episode up to a couple hundred views per episode. And that's that's really fantastic. I'm really happy with the progression of the show. And everyone has been very kind and supporting. You know, typically when I get a comment about the show, people enjoy it. And, you know, again, that, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the, the questions, the comments, the emails, all that stuff. You know, I'm really happy that you're enjoying the show. And I hope that you continue to enjoy the show as I produce more and more and more. Uh, if I've said something throughout this episode that is that is spurred your your desire to reach out and contact me for whatever reason, you know, I've I've said something that needs to be corrected. Uh, you've got a question about something that I've said, or you just kind of want to talk. Uh, you can do so in a variety of ways. The easy of wi- the easiest of which is to head over to waltnpa.com and click on the contact button. A form will open up with various options for contacting me. Uh, you can fill out the web form and click submit, and an email will be sent to me. Uh, there are also social media options down below. You can click on each of those to open up the, those various services, Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. <coughs> Excuse me. The podcast is also on the Gun Rights Radio Network. I have a Shooting the Breeze section of the forum where I post new topics for every episode. Uh, if you want to... If you want to leave a comment directly in that thread please feel free to do so it's been very light I, I, I don't get very many comments there so if you if you feel inclined go ahead and, and, and show a little activity in the uh, in the shooting the brief section of the gun rights radio network forum speaking of the gun rights radio network if you've got a couple of bucks you wouldn't mind donating you can head over to the gun rights radio network and click on the support button uh, subscriptions are two dollars a month, about twenty-four dollars a year, and your donation will will go towards keeping the the radio network up and running. You know the servers operating and all that good stuff. The lights on, basically, and that more or less is going to close out the show. I've got like two minutes to to close everything down and get upstairs before my wife has to, has to leave for work. So I'm going to cut it off there. Thank you for watching or listening to episode forty-six of Shooting the Breeze, the formal gun podcast of WaltNPA.com. Stay safe, and I will catch you next time. You can hear Gun Rights Radio Network on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Gun Rights Radio Network shows can be found under sources.